Welcome to the American Contractor Show, the show that's all about American contractors living the American dream. I'm your host, John Dye. Each episode, we'll introduce you to contractors just like you who have beaten the odds and leveled up their game to become the dominant force in their markets. Together, we'll explore the tools and tactics that unlock the secrets to their success. Join me as we begin the journey that leads to the realization of your American dream. Are you doing something unique, innovative, or just playing cool with your contracting business and want to show off a little bit? We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at showcase at americancontractorshow.com and let us know what you're up to. We'd love to hear from you and maybe we'll feature you on a future episode. And welcome today to the uh, Tuesday edition, September 1st of the American Contractor Show. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm so thankful that you're here with us today, that you're joining us. We have some amazing content to share with you today and some discussion that I think is really highly needed in the industry. But guys, it's September 1st, though. Let's talk about this for just a second. You know that means that you literally have, and some of you guys, like if you're in Minnesota, you're up north. I mean, I was in Minnesota a few years ago. It snowed on Halloween in Minnesota when I was working in Minneapolis, and that's when I knew it was time to go home. But you guys that are up north, I mean, your season, you've got, what, 60 days maybe of good, solid days of roofing. If you're in uh, maybe a little further south, you may maybe have a couple couple extra months. Who knows? But at the end of the day, you guys, it's September 1st. That means we've literally only got, uh, what, four more months left of the year. We're in Q4 now. Uh, things are changing. A lot of stuff are it was still Q3, Q4. I think it doesn't start till October. But either way, this is still a, a pretty, pretty amazing time to think about. And this year has flown by. I know with all the COVID and everything else that's going on, things have definitely progressed a lot differently. And there's a whole different feel to this year. So believe it or not, folks, it's September 1st. So it's time to uh, get on it, start to figure out what's going on and get those jobs closed out. So, But welcome to the show today. Thank you so much for joining us. We have some great guests today. Mike Lindhurst is with us and Anthony Rolfs from uh, C3 Group, and they're going to talk about matching. And I know matching is a huge discussion that we have uh, in the insurance restoration side of things because it's kind of hard to match jobs and match things, when, and especially when policies dictate certain things and there's certain elements that are brought into the equation that make it difficult sometimes for us to get things repaired the right way. And so we're going to talk all about that today. And I wanted to also announce real quick that we've got an event coming up and actually two events. And it's the very, uh, we haven't done a whole lot of events recently, but there's a couple events coming up in the next couple of weeks. We're going to be in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and uh, that's going to be a week from tomorrow. So it'll be September 9th. And we're going to be discussing uh, doing a free storm workshop to help Bring you guys some information, some good networking opportunities with uh, a lot of different uh, people in the industry. I know the American Policyholder Association will be there. C3 Group's going to be there sharing knowledge. Uh, Company Cam will be with us in Cedar Rapids. And uh, there's going to be a, a whole slew of people. We're going to be talking about supplementing. We're going to be talking about how to protect yourself in this industry, how to help your homeowners with the American Policyholder Association. Some great information that's hopefully going to help you guys out as you're working those storms in Iowa and in, in the Midwest. And then we're also going to be in uh, Louisiana. We're looking at possibly Beaumont, Texas, trying to get as close as we can to, to uh, Lake Charles there. But we'd, uh, we're we going to try to give the same presentation down there. I know Paradise Claims is joining us there. 
John Wood will be with us, some other uh, C3 group again, and the APA as well. It'll be that, that core group, and then there'll be some others as well in both of those events. And it'll be Wednesday will be a workshop, and Thursday we're actually going to do some volunteer work. We're going to go into the community and actually try to help as much as we can do some cleanup efforts. Very similar to what we did in Nashville earlier this year, which was one of the last events that I was able to go to. We're going to do something similar like that in Cedar Rapids and down in, in uh, Louisiana for Hurricane Laura. Uh, the survivors and give them some uh, give them some hope and hopefully give them a, a hand. And so if you haven't heard about this yet, hop onto our Facebook group or our Facebook page and look at the events page. We're going to keep that updated. Make sure to register. We only have space for as many people as we can, and uh, we need to make sure that we have a good headcount. I know Atlas will be providing food. We'll have our uh, a few of our other sponsors there as well, I'm sure. And uh, so we, we're excited about this event and the possibilities that it brings for us to be able to serve and give to our communities. So make sure to keep it, keep that on your calendar and stop by if you're in the area. We'd love to meet you and hang out. So, uh, But I wanted to hop right into our guest today and get them on the show. We've got some two of the most amazing minds in our industry uh, with with uh, my good friend Mike Lindhurst and Anthony Rolfs from C3 Group. So you guys, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much for being with us today. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. It's good to have you guys. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about something that I think is near and dear to your guys' uh, business and what you guys do. And one of the areas that I think a lot of contractors can get themselves into hot water a lot of times, which is uh, the matching issue. And this is one of those things that, you know, it's so it's so it's it's like a moving target for us as contractors and a lot of guys we don't you know we don't know where we can go where we can't go with this issue how far can we push it there's so many variables there and you guys have put together some amazing information that you're going to share with us today and i'll let mike uh kind of start us off here and, and give us give us a, a synopsis of what we're going to talk about today you know, what we're going to talk about, I think, is is just the words that really matter when you're evaluating this issue. And uh, just like everything else in the insurance industry, everything is so different state by state. And uh, Iowa has very specific wording in their statutes there that, that we should really talk about. Um, you know, and I, and I also want to talk about kind of the boilerplate things that people talk about, like, uh, is this a matching state? Uh, I, I love it when people say that, <clears throat> and, and it's because there's a layer below that. You really got to dig into the words that matter. Uh, and then not just the, the, you know, the statute implications, the actual laws that are on the books in certain states, but what does the NAIC say, which is National Association of Insurance Commissioners, and what did they do historically? And then there's also, of course, uh, the outcomes of, of lawsuits in specific states, where Iowa actually has a combination of all three of those things. They've got the NEIC Model Act based on RCV policies, and they have a very specific statute, and then they have an appeals case there, and, and all three of those things matter. So I can kind of hack those issues apart for everybody so they know what that looks like. And, uh, you know, Anthony's got some really good things to talk about on the line of sight issues too, which is a, a popular uh, phrase in this whole matching uh, argument. So. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think that that's some stuff that we definitely need this information as contractors and get to understand that because this is something that comes up probably at every event that I'm at. Um, matching is always, you know, what states are matching states? What does that mean? Questions like that are common. I see them all over the threads everywhere. So it'd be good to get some really good clarification on these issues today. Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, we're happy to do it. Um, do you want me to kind of dive in? 
Yeah, let's dive right in, man. Give us some. Let's let's get to this. So, all right, sounds good. So, uh, I'm going to go through uh, just kind of line by line on you know the the kind of the core concepts surrounding matching. Uh, so, you have the words in an insurance policy almost always say like, kind, and quality. Okay, so if you think about those words, that's your contract, that's your policy. So, like, kind, and quality are the, are the words that matter there. Um, <clears throat> exact matching, so everybody knows, doesn't show up anywhere. You never see a statute, case law, anything that says it has to match exactly. Okay, so you do hear words like reasonable uniform appearance. Uh, you see things brought up that talk about color, size, texture, shape. Uh, there's also the consideration for damaged versus undamaged materials, which gets into direct physical loss versus some of the consequential loss issues for um, matching undamaged materials. <clears throat> and then the concept of indemnity. Okay, so this is kind of a multi-layered issue. Um, but, you know, re re related to specifically Iowa, uh, I'm going to jump into what the statute, which is a, it's a legislative law. This is something that went from the National Association of Insurance Commissioner. There were legislators that took this up in Iowa and passed a law, which is Rule 191-15.44, uh, plus some other numericals and uh, letters that don't really matter for this context, but that's the rule. And it says in Iowa, when a loss requires replacement of items and the replaced items do not match in quality, color, or size, the insurer shall replace as much of the item as is necessary to result in a reasonably uniform appearance within the same line of sight. So think about the words that really jump out at you in Iowa when it, when it comes to this law. So if they don't match in color, okay, color is probably the highest standard because, of course, materials can fade over time, which is an issue. Uh, for instance, you have a, a, a siding that's still made. And it's an Alcoa siding, and it's some version of white. It's their Arctic white, and it's been on there for ten years. Well, if the same uh, same size is made, and the same texture is made, and the same reveal size is made, and it's actually technically the same color, but it faded in the sunlight, then it's not going to match with color. So, you know, this is a pretty pretty hard. You know, it's a it's a high standard uh, in Iowa. I would say for for the color uh, triggers. Um, you know, and then a reasonable uniform appearance. You know, for, for contractors that are watching this, what I would do is try to get a picture side by side, right? So if you if you see some siding and you think it is made and you see that it's all matching before the loss occurred and you hold up a little swatch of the siding, you can see that color difference. That's your trigger. That's your, that's your really good evidence to show that it's not going to match. And, and again, color is the big thing here. The other predicating factor in Iowa that, that, that matters is this line of sight issue. And line of sight is a really interesting issue to me because say that hail comes in and it just hits one side of a building and it's just a four-sided typical structure, right? Well, if you replace the front, then you have to replace the, the side on either adjacent side. So, Anthony, you know, you, you've, you've come across some folks in the, uh, in the field there. And, and you got a couple of really good talking points related to line of sight. Can you uh, tell us about those? Yeah, absolutely. So with regard to the statute, there's this, uh, it says a reasonably uniform appearance within the same line of sight. So what that, what you're asking yourself, if you're a contractor, well, does that mean this corner post or does that mean this corner post? Or what if I back up and I can see 
you know, what if I can see both? And what the general rule in Iowa is um, that we have encountered on a, a large loss that we're working there in a community association is uh, on this one, one of the walls was uh, damaged. And so the contractor, or excuse me, the uh, adjuster had a really good phrase that I just it really stuck with me. And I think it'll be handy for your contractors out there listening. One wall of damage gets you three, two walls of damage gets you four, right? Because if you think about that, if you look at an elevation and go corner post to corner post, those corner posts connect. And if you do that at every one, you'll work it around. And I think as a rule of thumb, it's a, it's a general, really good rule of thumb to follow. So if I'm out there and I'm doing contracting and I really want to uh, benefit my you know homeowner or my client as best I can, I'm going to be really, we're going to have our predominant windward elevation, really try to find, because this is one of those instances where you find a crack, you find a, a, a little chip, you do that extra little time and get that extra elevation. That could be the difference between a full wrap and uh, those folks coming out of pocket for that other elevation. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I mean, from my perspective on line of sight, that's the insurance company perspective. You know, a lot of those those little isms, you know, one side gets you three and two sides get you four. You hear a lot of that. I think it's important to consider the insurance company's perspective on this. But if you're going to get into three elevations as a result of one, then you're probably going to be asking for the fourth anyways. And I think the most reasonable insurance companies in a state that has a statute like this probably would wrap it anyways. But if you want to get uh, more of a buy-in, more of a cooperative buy-in from the insurance carrier adjusters, you know, those types of things can help. You know, it's kind of like the hits per square issue on a roof. Well, you know, the hits per square doesn't translate to policy. It doesn't translate to anything in case law that I've ever heard. There's nothing in statute that talks about hits per square. But it's such a common thing that, you know, you want to be aware of it. <clears throat> and if all states at eight hits a square and Liberty Mutual's at 12 hits a square, I mean, we all know that that's, that's pretty uh, random company per company. And all that that really is, is a repair versus replace uh, cost consideration. That's what that is. It's just, but those are the kind of things on the insurance company side that you hear a lot of that are, that are basically these proprietary triggers that, you know, but you really got to look at the law. What does the law say? And, and how do you apply that? And, and to me, it's real simple. If it doesn't match color wise in Iowa, you're basically wrapping the whole thing. I mean, let's take a really extreme example. If you had wind that picked up just one corner of a roof and you had, say, a half a square that needed to be replaced, and it's just, uh, and say it's a hip roof. Um, well, if the shingle is merely faded and it's the same shingle and it's repairable functionally, but you cannot get that replaced shingle, the new one, to match the color of the old faded shingle, that law gives you plenty of leverage to say this whole thing should be replaced. So this is a really powerful law to overcome what we deal with in the field all the time, which is the which is the, just the repair versus replacement arguments, and, and you see them everywhere. And that's really where, as PAs, where do we kind of make our money? Where do we put our stake in the ground? It's arguing these layers that go beyond the policy that get into case law, statutory law, and and if I were in Iowa. I'm not saying that I would ignore the, the line of sight words that are in the statute because they're there, but I don't think that gives them leverage to just pay for, say, three sides of four, because as soon as you go to three, you're, you're naturally going to go to four, just with the way the, you know, the construction work itself out. But color, I would focus on the word color. That is a big deal. And Mike, if I could add something, 
Um, I remember when I was a contractor, the thing I loved to have the most was those little morsels that I could lean on. Uh, when it comes to color, um, I believe, I, I can't, I always forget whether it's uh, 2004 or 2006, but uh, most of the siding manufacturers began adding titanium oxide um, to the actual color match. So what you'll get is you'll get a lot of these um, adjusters out in the field and they'll say, oh, well, we're going to put this on. And you can see it's clearly not matching, right? The new siding doesn't look anything like it. And they might say a phrase like, oh, it'll fade to match, right? That you can wait and it'll <laughs> fade to match. But the real truth of that, yeah. if you have siding that was put on prior to 2004, it will never fade to match. If you want to know, we've all dealt with titanium oxide in the sunscreen. It's the basically the active ingredient in sunscreen that keeps us from burning and, and deflects or diffracts UV rays. That same thing is in the color mix of the vinyl solution. Um, and so if you have siding that's older than 2004, so when you pull your ITEL, make sure you have the date of installation and you can find out if you can the manufacturer's batch and you could determine whether or not that will ever fade. That, that's a huge factor in this especially to echo Mike, how important that reasonable uniform appearance line is in the statute. It's critical. Yep. Yeah. There, there, there's a couple of things that you said I wanted you to clarify. A couple of things. So the first one, the ITEL side of it. You mentioned ITEL. A lot of contractors use ITEL. Some don't use ITEL. They have their own feelings on it. What? Just curious, what are your guys' feelings on ITEL? My, my general feeling on ITEL is like a lot of things that you hear from the insurance uh, defense side. Um, it's not necessary to use it, but it's kind of like using Xactimate. You know, if, if they're going to use Xactimate, you want to speak their language. If you can use that as a negotiations platform and you can use that as an objective way to see eye to eye on certain issues to get to the outcome, which is we want to get this paid for, then it's a useful tool. Um, ITEL definitely has a slant towards the insurance companies you know they put out statements like oh this things that are akin to this will match close enough uh, right. and, and those are the things that that i know are problematic uh to the consumer and the contractor side so i, I wouldn't i wouldn't count on their causation yeah. but i would say that their identification of the material whether or not it's still made uh, is something that, that could be useful because the carriers will, I mean, it's, look, it's the only thing that's out there. You know, there, there's no other material identification uh, process outside of just doing it yourself, which you can do. I mean, you can cut out a material, you can identify it, you can find an old brochure, you can go to a supply house, you can try to find something that's similar, and then you take a picture side by side. And that's what I do, um, would be to actually, you know, put the closest possible material on a picture side by side, and it does the same thing that an ITEL does, but the fact that they're creeping into the causation and giving insurance companies the defensibility of, hey, this is close enough, this is your ITEL certified match or whatever vernacular they use, I, I very much disagree with that. Just like I disagree that Xactimate sets the market value. I mean, we use it as a standard as much as we possibly can, but there's problems with Xactimate in the same regard. Uh, same thing for hits per square, John. It's the same. It's the same yeah. thing. It, it's a fictitious thing. It's made up by the insurance companies. But if you're trying to get a roof bot and you're a contractor and you're pointing out, hey, we got eight hits per square, and you know that that's what Allstate needs to get it paid for, then maybe you don't fight too hard on the on the fundamental things and you try to find a point of agreement. You know. So. And as far as uh, my position on L, when you first asked that question, my first thought was which I tell. The ITEL five years ago or the ITEL now? 
because it's, it's right. there's a very different standard of excellence within that company um, that I've noticed. Uh, so what I like to do is, you know, when I was a contractor and even now as a public adjuster, I really try to rely on suppliers, people that I, I collect people with incredible knowledge, people that know more than me. So I've got a bunch of siding gurus that, you know, and I'm sure all the contractors do, they can snap a photo, be like, Hey, do you know this? Oh yeah. That's the old main street. This that's been discoed since here. That's this, it's got this exposure. Look, the grain pattern was changed here. And you know, I would lean on those and, and I kind of see, I tell, like I see a hammer. You can't build a house with a hammer, but it sure as heck is useful. Um, it's just sometimes you need it and sometimes you don't. And I think that goes along with just about anything that we say is, you know, it, it's got to benefit you, benefit your client and benefit, benefit your ultimate goal of getting, you know, getting the work handled and setting good expectations. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. And and I think the, the, the key here is, you know, the policyholder. We as contractors focus on it for, man, we'd love to get that full house wrap because that just equates to more money for us. But at the end of the day, though, it's not even about that, though. It's really about that policyholder and what they really need to have done to their property because it's their property. They're the ones that are going to deal with the repercussions either way. How, how often is that something that contractors overlook? And, and what do you guys think about that? Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, John, you know what our mission is, uh, not just at C3 Group as fiduciaries for the policyholder, but also at the American Adjuster Association with our legislative priorities. But if you don't focus on the consumer as the number one priority, even if you are in a vendor position as a contractor, you know, that, that, will, that will work itself out, as they say. Um, you know, they're, they're, if, you, if you try to, you know, if you're not aligning your interest with the policyholder, and you're just trying to make as much money as possible on the case, despite the policyholder, that will show up. And, uh, you know, people figure that out. Okay, smart, smart consumers will figure that out. Uh, we deal with business people and owners associations and commercial clients all the time. And they, you know, I, I would say more on the commercial side, people will figure it out than they will on the residential side. But, um, but uh, you know, to that point, the, the, the first part of that policyholder I would also, I want to point something else out that's critically, critically important. And, um, you know, it, 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 and it's the policy, okay? It, all of it starts there. And, and I, want to, I want to go back in time a little bit uh, because this is really important to Iowa specifically as well. Um, history lesson in Minnesota, there was no matching statute, okay? And I still don't think there's a matching statute in Minnesota if I, if I remember correctly. Um, but they did have a Supreme Court case there called Cedar Bluffs versus American Family. And it basically said the same thing without the trigger of line of, line of sight. And American Family dragged this thing all the way to the Supreme Court where an appraisal panel gave an entire homeowners association new siding based on a color difference, merely a color fading difference like what we had mentioned prior. And uh, AMFAM responded by just simply changing the policy. So even though the Supreme Court case law in Minnesota supports if there's a color mismatch, you have to wrap the whole thing, basically. Um, that doesn't mean that they won't just write it out of the policy. So I've actually got it up right here. So this is going into damage versus undamaged portions in a policy. So if you're a contractor, and and I started this way too, you know, 10, 11 years ago, where I would never get a copy of the policy, but in Iowa specifically, and especially with matching implications, if you're, if you're looking at it, start there. It is, it is critical, critical. And the one thing you're going to want to look for 
especially if it's American Family deal, is uh, damage versus undamaged portions. And it's, this is an endorsement. And the endorsement in Minnesota says, at your policy's next renewal, we will update the language, okay, i.e. change the guts of the policy by adding an, an exclusion endorsement that is called the Unmatched Property Damage Exclusion Endorsement. And it says, this endorsement clarifies our intent that your policy does not cover the cost to repair or replace undamaged materials due to a mismatch between undamaged materials and the new materials that are used to repair or replace damaged pro uh, property. So, and it also goes a step further because, you know, what happened in Minnesota is the uh, appraisal panel decided and bound American family to paying for the matching. So that was the other layer of this. Can an appraiser and an umpire sign off on an appraisal award and bind the carrier to paying that, or does that turn into a coverage dispute? Well, they lost that too. So American Family now can lose control of the claim and appraisal and go from a minor siding repair to having to wrap the whole complex. They didn't like that very much. So they added this into the new endorsement after the Supreme Court case law that says if the endorsement, uh, basically if there's, a, if there's an appraisal, in the event that a claim or dispute uh, arises over, over this matching issue, appraisers and umpires do not have the authority to determine coverage, exclusions, conditions, forfeiture provisions, conditions precedent, or any other contractual issues. So, you know, this is the big end around, which has been happening for years. If they don't like something, all they got to do is write it out of the stinking policy. So, <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, that's just kind of the way this works. They did it with mold. They've done it with capsule yeah, yeah. in Florida. I mean, anytime that there is something that is a really good benefit to a consumer where their property is going to be put back in a better condition, they always have an indemnity argument, which is, well, it's not damaged. They're going back in a, in a, betterment, con in a betterment condition. The reality is, is that all of these policies are going to put a client back better than they were before anyways. Okay, so, and this gets into the law of indemnity. The law of indemnity is actually pretty nebulous. I mean, there's a bunch of different definitions of this, but a lot of people think it's like for like, like kind of quality. Well, the reality is there's code coverage. You're going to have a betterment for, you know, new in exchange for the old stuff. That's the promise of a replacement cost policy alone. You're going to have, you know, the law of ordinance coverage is going to pick up the code issues. And then with the matching law, you're going to get all new stuff it's not even damaged property just to match the stuff that was damaged. So it's a pretty big betterment, you know, bargain that you're paying for in your policy premiums. So, yep. Yep. you know, all of those things matter. So I would just really encourage it, you know, from a contractor's perspective, get the policy and really look for these things, because if you're going to ask for matching, you better make sure that there's, you know, uh, that there's not this exclusion of the policy that would take it away. And as a matter of fact, it's, that's listed, Mike, to echo what you're saying, it's listed in the uh, Iowa language. It says, uh, such repair replacement not otherwise excluded by the policy shall be included in the loss. So, I mean, even right there. And funny, funny sidebar, because who doesn't like funny anecdotes? From my understanding, the largest, so we all have heard, we have something in our space called anti-concurrent causation. The reason that exists and is specifically excluded in policy because a really clever fire lawyer in California basically took them to the bank. And he has like a $25 million house on the beach that I used to walk in front of every day when I was living in Los Angeles. And that's no kidding. They literally, like Mike said, changed the policy because of it across the country. <laughs> well, you know, and 
that's what I'm like. That's the that's the that's the hard part about this industry. A lot of times is, you know, and Troy said it, it's a moving target. Like there's things that are just moving around all the time. There's always changes. There's always guidelines that have shifted. I mean, up until recently, Allstate was paying. 50, 60, 70 shingles on a, to, to do a, a, a versus pain to replace an entire roof. Whereas, you know, us as contractors are like, there's no way I can replace 70 shingles. But how many jobs or how many policyholders didn't go through with the repairs because of the seven, you know, the, the amount of work that it was going to take to actually go through this. And now they've incurred this massive loss that they don't even realize half the time. And it, we keep seeing these, these things happening over and over and over again. And it's like they, They'll 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 make it work that way for a while, and then then all of a sudden they'll pull back. And like right now, we're seeing some carriers paying for things that they never would have paid for two years ago, and then other carriers, you know, have changed. And, and it just keep, constantly moves, and the guidelines are shifting. What are you guys doing to help us stay informed on that stuff and, <clears throat> and notice these trends and keep us up to date with it? Yeah, I mean, doing stuff like this, uh, which we're, we're happy to do whenever, John. I mean, anytime you want to have us on the show to talk about some of these granular issues, uh, I'm happy to do it. You know, we study them all over the country. And, you know, you, you got to pick your battles, too, because we only have so much of a budget to try to, to, try to fix certain things. But there's, yeah. a lot, but there's a lot of battlefields, too, right? So you have the state-by-state -state stuff, um, you know, that happens in the courts. Well, the courts have to be briefed correctly, too, because there's a lot of, of uh, attorneys that don't know how to brief these things correctly or argue them correctly. So that's a problem. But then you also have uh, the legislative environment, which we, which we all know is tricky, and that has to go state by state. There's no there's no federal basis for changing everything all at the same time. Uh, the insurance world in general, you know, and, and that's actually a, a good segue to talk about the NEIC. The NEIC is all the insurance commissioners basically get into a room and it's all 50 of them and they come up with these things called model regulations or model acts. And that's what they did in Iowa is they took parts of a model law that they developed at the National Association of Insurance Commissioners and then they lobbied to put those in state by state. Well, there's only like, I wanna say seven or eight actual statutory laws for, for matching across the country, yet 50 insurance commissioners got together and said, let's make this model, right? So. The models out there but it doesn't actually so that's when people say is this a matching state i think what they mean is is there a statutory law in place that says that the insurance companies have to do these things um and there's also a list you know there's there's some attorneys that have done a really good job of putting together research on a state-by-state -state list and uh, we actually have a copy of that and if anybody reaches out to me i'm happy to send it to you um i want to see I'm, I'm looking right now in my bag of tricks to uh, find it because I know that I've got it. Um, yeah, there's actually a state by state and, you know, and this is kudos to this law firm for doing this because this is, this is why it's so valuable to share information because sometimes you end up on a national radio show and somebody gives you some kudos. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give this law firm, it's Matheson, Wickert and Lehrer, SC, attorneys at law. They're out of Hartford, Connecticut, New Orleans, Los Angeles, and Austin. It is mwl-law.com, and they put together a 17-page primer about matching regulations and laws that are, that are affecting homeowners property claims in all 50 states, and it is a comprehensive, just a really great, it talks about the policy, different insurance statutes, different regulations. And, and they update that, too. So they update it every, uh, pretty, yeah, yeah, they just update yeah, every it. few months. Yeah, October of 19, they just, they just did it, so I mean, this is less than a year oh, ago. Oh, no, there's a, there's a newer one than that. Oh, is there? 
yeah, there's. I'll, I'm gonna put it in the. Uh, I'll put it in the uh, chat here. <clears throat> yeah, in the but, comments of, on the Facebook comments. Yeah, so this is critical. You know, to to be able to see this, it actually goes down the list of statutes versus case law, state by state, all fifty states. And um, you know, we use this, uh, of course, and then we pull the individual statutes and that kind of thing. So um, you know, but to have that, if you're a restoration contractor. I mean, like the only reason I became a public adjuster in the first place is because I started asking these questions. You know, you start hearing things like, is it a matching state? Do they pay over, you know, can they not pay overhead profit on a roof? Why is it eight hits a square versus 12 hits a square? You know, it's, it's asking why, why are these things like this? And when you, when you start studying it, you realize that there's just a ton of misconceptions. There's a lot of gaslighting that happens from the insurance companies to try to control that narrative because they are the ones with the loudest megaphone. And, and, and John, to, to your point, your question, what are we doing to inform people? It's this kind of stuff. I want to help mm -hmm. peel back those misconceptions if I can. I want to show how absurd certain things are. And there's a lot of those absurdities that are hidden in plain sight. So when you hear an insurance company employee say something, they say, well, you know, the, the fallback is, well, we just don't pay for that. Why don't you pay for overhead and overhead profit on the roof? Well, we just don't pay for that. Really? Okay. Got it. You know, and, and that's, you know, I, I'd say that's the apex of bad faith is saying, no, nope, sorry, company policy, we just don't pay for that. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> no, and, and I think uh, what you guys are doing is amazing. And, uh, you know, with, with AAA, with this, um, getting this information out there is massively important. I'm going to share this real quick, the, the screen share. In fact, I want to, while we're talking about this, this is one of my favorite documents. You mentioned it, and it's this uh, this thing from MWL. And, you know, I one of the most fascinating ones for me, because I, I live in Indiana, so I'm a huge, I love what they say here where it says, uh, insurer was required to match shingles on a roof where insured had an RCV policy, and experts testified that mismatched shingles and siding lowered the property's value. I'm like, boom, that's like so big right there. Yeah. Because that, in my opinion, that's the ultimate, ultimate loss. Okay, if, if, if you, 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 you wrap, wrap a house, house based, based on, on what a carrier is telling you to do, you do and you and end, you end up, up basically diminishing, diminishing the, value the value of someone's, of someone's home and someone's, someone's property, property now, now it's, it's a whole different that's, that's a whole different, different argument in my mind and i love that that that's, that's the, case the case law that we, law that have, we in have in indiana because it's and i tell people do that if you can get if a policy can get an appraiser to come out and just say property appraiser say yeah if you do this your house your house you lost five thousand dollars in value on your house that's that's pretty important that's pretty significant i'm a property owner i want to know that's my that's my biggest investment and, uh, and uh, so, so that's, that's, that's some that's cool some stuff there for stuff sure. There for sure. And yeah. No, hey, I had, I had a nugget, Anthony, because I don't want to lose my train of thought. I'm sorry I interrupted you, but it, it, it builds directly into that point. When I said you have to start with the policy, okay, yep. Yep. you hear this all the time. Well, we only pay for direct physical loss. That is not true. What they pay for is damage or loss or damage. Operative word there is or or damage and what is damage if you look at the dictionary definition of what damage is it can be a what they call a pecuniary loss a money dollar damage loss i.e it matched before and ain't going to match afterwards if you try to do this repair and that is going to result in a loss of value to your property that is damage okay it's not direct physical damage but it is loss or damage that is a critical component. They always try to leave that out and pull that out of context. But when you read the whole sentence, 
this is what the policy, and this is a standard ISO policy. That's what it allows for. So if you're arguing policy, you know, and not getting into arguing law and not getting into pulling up case law, you can go straight to the insurance policy and say, or damage means that loss of value that you're trying to uh, impose on me by doing this repair that is not a repair that's going to match like it did before. And this, of course, is assuming that it matched before. If it's a roof that has six different colors on it already, it's not a great argument. <laughs> but if it, if it was all the same thing and it was all contingu contiguous and monolithic and homogenous, if you will, you know, then it should be like that after the loss. Okay. So, Anthony? Uh, it doesn't surprise me. Great minds, right? That's right where my head was at. Uh, one, of the, um, one of my peers has the definition of the principle of indemnity that I've always liked. And it really speaks to what you were saying, John, and you were saying, Mike, is that uh, uh, the principle of indemnity basically outlines that an insured shall not have a physical or economic reminder of a covered loss. Let that settle in for a minute, right? Like, so a physical, meaning the damage, or an economic loss, right? An economic reminder. So if, John, I know as a former contractor myself, I know one of the things I always was fond of saying is, well, curb appeal makes up 20, 15, 10, 25% of the value of a home, right? Like we, we, we have those numbers yeah. that we put out there, but that's a real consideration. And, and to your point with that shingle scenario that you outlined, I mean, imagine that. Imagine someone wants to piecemeal, uh, you, I think you chose Allstate, that, that roof. And suddenly it looks like an old, you know, weathered shake roof that you weren't intending that look or one of the old certainty, those, I can't remember the name of that color that certainty would use, but it had like red and, and green and brown and yeah, I mean, it had all those crazy colors. I mean, you know, you don't want it to look like that. So that's, that's something we lean on. And again, with uh, reviewing the policy, um, what I can't stress enough, especially when you are working on commercial large loss make sure that you have somebody a pa an attorney whoever it is in your network just make you sure you have somebody that can interpret that policy for you accurately or help out because like mike said that is literally the rule book to everything that we do everything and mm -hmm. it's that policy and how that policy relates to statute yeah, yeah. absolutely <clears throat> well guys i know uh you guys are going to be in cedar rapids right and then we'll be in uh we'll be in Louisiana too, and I'm really excited about that because there's going to be a lot of conversations like this going on. That if you're a contractor and you're working those areas, you definitely want to be there because if you're not, if your goal is to just go out there and throw some roofs on people's houses and uh, you know slap some new siding up, I'm sorry, but you're really doing your customers a disservice and you're doing our industry a disservice. These conversations, understanding this stuff in depth if you're going to provide that value to your policyholders to your customers is super important because if the insurance company's paying you better know how it's designed to work so that you can at least give them some guidance or point them in the right direction or know when to back away and bring in an expert and so uh we talked about cedar rapids that's going to be a week from tomorrow uh, week from tomorrow and then two weeks from tomorrow uh louisiana um you guys are bringing the fire though. So I really appreciate you guys coming and uh, talking about this stuff and bringing this knowledge to, to contractors. Yeah, we're, we're happy to. And, you know, to, to your point earlier, uh, you know, to consumers, uh, you know, people need to know this stuff. Uh, and, oh. and, and especially when it, when it comes to the value of their home. I mean, I really think that that's the, the, the crux of what we're talking about today. 
do you want to have that reminder of your loss? <laughs> you know, yeah. that's a, that's a great, that's a great, you know, this happens with, with smoke losses all the time too. And fire losses where they, you know, you put together a repair and they just want to paint over something that's burnt. And next thing you know, it's hot and humid and your house still stinks like smoke. It's like, you shouldn't have to have that reminder of the loss that occurred. Um, and in, in carriers, you know, when you look at their ethical, their ethical obligations, when you look at, um, you know, engineer ethical obligations, uh, you know, they, they have to keep the public's interest in mind. They have to grant deference to the public. The policyholder gets the benefit of the doubt. So anything you're going 50-50 on, that's the other, the other base. The contract base is, it's, it's a contract of adhesion. So if there's even a question, you should be giving that deference back to your policyholder. So any insurance company executives who are here, you know, that, uh, that may be listening to this now or in the future, um, you know, just, just think about that. Instead of the bottom line, give the gray area back to your clients because they're the ones that are paying your premiums and your big bonuses at the end of the year. Yeah, I agree. But I, I always tell contractors this, though. Remember, insurance companies are in business. They're not out to lose money. Their business is just like we are, and they have to make a profit, and they're going to make it one way or another. And so, you know, keep that in mind when you're dealing with these companies is, you know, it's just it's business. Business is business. So, <laughs> but, Anthony, thank you so much for being on here as well. It was a pleasure to have you, uh, both of you guys. Mike, Anthony, you guys have some amazing minds, and uh, you guys can really uh, – you guys are helping the industry and I really appreciate what you guys are doing. Happy to help John. Thanks again for having us on. Thanks for doing the show, John. Really appreciate it. I appreciate it guys. You guys have a great rest of your day. You too. Thanks. So folks, that's Michael Lindhurst and uh, Anthony rolls from uh, C3 group and they got some great information and they are sharing it with us. And I really appreciate them coming on here and talking about this because this is a hot topic issue that a lot of contractors uh, want more information on they push this issue they and, and contractors sometimes steer in places that maybe we shouldn't go but at the same time having these experts come on that can really explain this stuff in a way that we can really comprehend it and, and take that information and, and build better businesses and better scenarios not just for us but for our policyholders and our well not our policyholders but our customers and give them the best information possible as we help them navigate through these uh, tough times that they're dealing with. And that's a, that's a big part of what we do. So I really appreciate you guys tuning in today, being a part of this episode. I know that if you're listening to this, this is an important topic to you. And I appreciate that you appreciate this. So thank you so much for joining us today. Make sure to check us out. If you're near Cedar Rapids or working the Derecho Storms, Come by and see us in Cedar Rapids a week from uh, week from tomorrow, September 9th. It's going to be a phenomenal time to uh, network and get some great information, answer questions. We'll be taking, I'm sure there'll be plenty of Q&A sessions and tons of great information. I saw what the APA produced the last time we did one of these, and it was amazing. And then uh, if you're in Louisiana, you're working uh, Hurricane Laura, meet up with us, come spend spend an afternoon with us. I guarantee you that, that you guys will get some great information. It'll help you as you continue your business and doing this stuff. So thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we will see you guys on Thursday again for another edition of the American Contractor Show. I'm your host, John Dye, and it was a pleasure to be with you. You guys have a great rest of your day. We'll see you soon. Thanks so much for watching today's show. Make sure to like and subscribe our pages so that you can stay up to date with every episode. And by the way, this show is all about you, the American contractor. Be sure to comment let us know what you want to hear about and what subjects you want us to touch on. We'll be sure to include them in a future episode. Thanks again, and I hope you have a great day.